0: This message first aired on the radio on September 3rd, 2003. There's power in the blood, and sometimes we fail to realize that the kingdom of God, that the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, is not exercised in theory. It's not exercised in ideal land. It is not exercised in word but it's actually exercised in power. Now it's true that the Word of God can come to us without power or with power, but do we, we need the power. We have the vehicle. Whoever's believed in the Lord Jesus Christ is given a new vehicle. It's a new nature, and that new vehicle is outfitted and capable of performing whatsoever God would have you to perform. But what do we find in the Christian life? We find that we lack power. But there's power in the blood. Now, we're studying the dispensation of the law, and, of course, we find that there is a problem with the law, uh, a problem with the law for us. We have a problem. When we look at the dispensational law, we see the problem that we have, and we also see that the principle of the law does not solve our problem. If you lack power, if you have a vehicle that is outfitted to go from here to Lincoln, for example, let's say you need to get there in about 30 minutes, and so you need a vehicle that can go oh, 120 miles an hour comfortably uh, without uh, shaking or anything. Uh, there are such vehicles, uh, but the problem is you've got to have fuel. It needs power. So we have a problem. We have several problems. First of all, we have a problem that... We are sinners, and the law just comes along as a measuring device, as a meter stick, as it were. Uh, The law comes around and shows us that, indeed, we're sinners. It defines us to be sinners. And as sinners, then, we need help. We need to be saved from the consequences, the penalty of our sin, We need to be saved from our sins, from ourselves. When we look at the law, it is no help. It did that thing that it was intended to do, but it was never intended to save us. It defines us as sinners. But the problem with the law is really our problem. The law is not what we need. It's what we have. And it shows us, really clearly defines for us our problem. Now, the good news, however, is not... On the basis of the law, the good news is that what we need is a Savior and on the basis of God's goodness to us. He gave us a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his grace, coming to us through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, it's an uncommon name as the Lord Jesus Christ, his full name with title. But as his name Joshua, which means Jehovah saves, this is the one also. This is the name of the one, the son of Nun, also who followed Moses. And we've been looking at the dispensation of law, in the sense that God gave the law to the children of Israel. God let them spend exactly forty years from the time they left Egypt to the time they entered the promised land. He let them spend that time while a generation died off that refused to believe God's word concerning the promised land, concerning things to come, really. And he left Moses on Mount Nebo, uh, where he could see the land and not enter into the land, so that we could see there's a distinction between seeing and entering. And Moses was penalized thereby. And in Moses' penalty, which was a temporal penalty, and certainly not an eternal one, for later we see Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. The temporal penalty of Moses is also instructive for us because it teaches us that Moses, that the law by Moses cannot bring anyone into the promised land. And so now we have the correspondence of this land to enter into with the future-looking faith that we see that the Christian is to have. And now the land is to be taken by warfare. It is to be taken by warfare, but it is a warfare that is conducted by grace through faith. And so we see the iteration of the principle by which the children of Israel were saved. Stand by and behold the salvation of the Lord. That's what they did. They stood still and beheld the salvation of the Lord as the Egyptian army was drowned in the Red Sea which they crossed. Now in this particular case, the Lord. they will now walk into the land. They're not going to stand still. They're going to walk into the land. They're going to be led in by the Levites who carry the Ark of the Covenant. They're going to walk in. And so as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. How do they walk? They don't walk on the principle of works through the law. They work on the principle of grace through faith, if they were at all. And what we see in this dispensation is that God would have them to operate On the basis of the principle grace through faith but in fact they don't they war according to their own ability according to their own desires and the unhappy side of this story is that the children of Israel though they're commanded to take the land they fail to do so and we're going to try to summarize that whole that whole operation of the book of Joshua today and that's an ambitious task we had better get to it so we start with numbers Book of Numbers, and maybe that looks like it's retrogressive, but here in the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 33, we see when the children of Israel drew near to Jericho during the time of Moses, and they were drawing near to Jericho in their wilderness journey here in Numbers chapter 33. They're in the plains of Moab, and it reads, Numbers thirty-three fifty reads, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, and Jericho is a lot of what we'll talk about today, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and destroy all their pictures, and destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places. And you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land, and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. And you shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families, and to the more you shall give the more inheritance, and to the fewer you shall give the less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falls, according to the tribes of your fathers you shall inherit. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides. That's an awful thought. And shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. So we see here that the Lord told them, that if they failed to move their enemies out, instead of being victors, they would be victims. And you think about that uh, next time you consider yourself victimized here below, that God intends for his people to be victors. Now, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in the high places and the forms that follow uh, underneath and we do have a spiritual war to conduct against an array of angels and demons against us in the heavens, and we need to pay strict attention to that. Now, the the other thing that the Lord had warned the children of Israel about, and you could look at that in Numbers 35 if you care to, is not to defile the land, not to involve themselves with the people of the lands that they drive out, and not to get involved in their idolatry. Of course, all these things are said because that is exactly what the children of israel are going to do now we have a lot to learn here we have something to learn about ourselves as we look at these kind of things uh, we see that the way that they conducted themselves is a written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age have come because we have an opportunity to conduct ourselves prudently instead of the way they did, and become victorious instead of miserable failures. We'll look at that. We come back in a minute. We're looking at Joshua, who's, by the way, the leader of the children of Israel, and he's very different than the rest of them. And I want to say that's something that is a leader. We stop for a moment and think for a minute about what makes a leader. A leader is someone who's not like everybody else. He's not like everybody else. One of the things that doesn't mean that Joshua or a leader is not a regular guy. I think it's important to realize that he's just a normal, regular guy, a man of like passions, just like Elijah was a man of like passions, though a leader in Israel, spiritual leader in Israel. Joshua, what we see about him is that he's faithful, he's a regular guy but he's unusual insofar as he is faithful and that he does hear the Lord's voice. We say he marches to a different drummer. Well, no, it's not exactly that. He hears the Lord's voice and he marches to the Lord's voice. And so he is now to become the captain of Israel, although he really knows who the captain of Israel is and so we we'll look at Joshua chapter 5 and we'll find out about his experience we'll just read it's better told really than can't say it any better than this Joshua chapter 5 it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites which were on the side of Jordan westward and all the kings of the Canaanites which were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over that their heart melted Neither was there spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness, till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord." unto whom the Lord swear he would not show them the land, which the Lord swear unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that flows with milk and honey. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way that repetition by the way of their failure to circumcise shows you the faithlessness of those in the wilderness and i trust you also note the first person plural introduced into this passage very interesting it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole that is mended till they were mended and the lord said unto joshua this day have i rolled away the reproach of egypt from off you Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day, meaning rolled away. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. That's forty years to the date of the birth of Israel in Exodus twenty twelve. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the self same day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, for they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And so they have a dietary change. And really, you can see that this is a different generation. This is now a circumcised generation. This is a generation with a fresh start. This is a generation that does not have the history of the unfaithfulness of their fathers in fact they're going to create their own history of unfaithfulness and uh, we'll see that here and it came to pass when joshua was by jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand and joshua went unto him and said unto him art thou for us or for our adversaries i can imagine he was just frightened and he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Now we know who the captain of the Lord's host is here. This is the theophany of our Lord Jesus Christ because otherwise he wouldn't have allowed the worship. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. And so we hearken back, immediately we hearken back to the voice, to Moses, in the bush that was burning but didn't burn. And we realize this is one and the same. This is Jehovah. This is the God of Israel, The God of Israel is our Lord Jesus Christ. And don't you forget it, by the way, and don't you get confused about that. And the Lord said unto Joshua, now we have Joshua 6. And now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Now here it is promised to Joshua, he has promised the victory. What does he need to do? He needs to... Believe he needs to believe he's not called to do any any great thing uh, he's not called to do any marvelous work. he is called to believe, and that's what makes Joshua a great leader. He believes God. the other thing that makes him a great leader is that he doesn't believe men, and that is part and parcel of the same thing by the way. If you're going to believe God, you're going to have to be very skeptical of men. You're going to have to understand, if you're going to believe God, of course, you must read the Scriptures. And as you read the Scriptures, they will make you disbelieve men, because the one overwhelming thing that the Scripture teaches about men is that we are unreliable, but God is totally reliable. I have spent so many years, as I teach the Scriptures in the various uh, circumstances of my life, I end up invariably teaching the Bible, and I am so tired of having to explain to God's people God's Word in the face of their objections based on man's Word. God is every whit true. God's word is more reliable than sight. In fact, uh, one of the things that's obvious is that he's more reliable than sight. And I don't care what E.F. Hutton says, and I don't care what Dr. such-and-such says, and I don't care about his Ph.D., his Ed.D., uh, his M.U.D., his O.P.P.D. I don't care what he has. God's word is true. And if someone is contradicting it, and be careful to know if they are, if somebody's contradicting their word, they need to be corrected. David said he had more wisdom than his own teachers because he paid attention to the Scriptures. And so that's another thing. That is the main thing that made Joshua a different man and a leader. And he stands out. He and Caleb stand out, but especially Joshua in this portion of Scripture, in this book named after him, he stands out as someone quite different than everybody else. And, of course, the children of Israel realize that they can follow Joshua because now they've gotten information from Rahab the harlot, which we learned about yesterday, that the people around Jericho are scared to death of them. And God now gives to Joshua the strategy to take down Jericho, which is to say that he has seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns, Uh, before the Ark of the Covenant, and they march around the city every day, leading the men of war. They sound the trumpets, but everything else is silent. The men of war don't make a sound. They do that for six days. On the seventh day, they go around it seven times. At the end of the seventh time around the city, the Scripture reads, Joshua 6.16, it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city shall be accursed, it and everything in it, to the Lord, and all that are therein, to the Lord, only Rahab the harlot shall live, and all that are in her her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. But all the silver, verse 19, gold, and vessels of brass and iron, are consecrated unto the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord." So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, that the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall, that the wall fell down flat, or it collapsed underneath itself. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And of course, I gloss over this because I trust you know at least some of the facts of that story, and they bring out Rahab the harlot, but... Now, we see the faithfulness of God. Of course, God gave the strategy. We see that God stands for his word and does exactly what he said. They follow the Lord's word, and this is the pattern that they need to follow. Lord, what should we do? Here's what you do. Okay, we get the victory. They didn't have to use their swords. They didn't have to. The Lord gave them the victory just as he told them. They warred by grace through faith. And so they believed God, and this is, of course, a great victory. And God had a problem with Jericho and says, Cursed be the man before the Lord that rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn. As young as shall he set upon the gates of it. And this is, well, we could go on about that. That was actually fulfilled, but we'll we'll skip that portion because we want to talk about now the faithfulness, the victory that comes through faith, and the failure that comes through unbelief. And in sum total, The book of Joshua documents the faithfulness of God, just like this whole dispensation does, that God remains faithful and men don't. So now they've been given a commandment. Here's how you destroy the city. And remember now, all the gold, all the silver, all the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They're to come into the treasury of the Lord. But what happens? We have now Joshua... Chapter 7, here's what happens. The children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now, here we had the religion of the ites. Uh, We have the religion of the ites focused and in full swing here in Jericho. And, of course, there's things of great value. Things of great value, gold, silver, so forth. And what happened here is that Achan trespassed. And how did they find out? Well, here's how they found out. It says in verse 1 of Joshua 7, it said, The anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And then in verse 2, it says, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth Aven on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up, viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up. Just two or three thousand men need to go up and smite Ai. We don't need much here. These guys are no threat. We'll whoop them. Like Kansas. We'll be right back. Well, so here they are now. They go up to A.I. after just having whooped Jericho, perhaps the greatest stronghold of the enemy. This would be like, oh, I don't know, what do we say here? It's hard to say these days. This would be like going down to Norman, Oklahoma, and they just whoop the Sooners. And now the next game on the schedule is Kansas at home. And so they go down and they take a look here at A.I. and they go... This is like playing Kansas at home. Uh, you know about Kansas. They haven't beat us for 40 years or since 1968 or something. So, And we can forget about that 1993 deal where they could have at least tied us. But anyway, this they say this is no problem. Remember, I promised no Husker takes. That has to do with this season. I'm on a Husker fast. I'm fasting from the corn huskers. Not doing too well. I guess I'm snacking here. So that's the point, and they go up, and they look at and they say, we don't need to send everybody up to Ai. It's only a couple thousand men will take that. They're just a few. So they went up thither. Now I want to say, here it tells us in verse 4, so they went up thither of the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. Here's a couple of things. First of all, we have a sin of omission. We know in the biblical account there was a sin of commission, because Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, out of the tribe of Judah, Joshua's own tribe, it took the accursed thing. So we know that there's sin in the camp, but th- that's the commission. The omission here is that they failed to ask God, should we go up? And this is one of the problems we have in life, is that we turn to our own resources when we think our resources are sufficient. Now, of course, we're deceived when we think our resources are sufficient because, after all, our own resources have only brought us into a deserving position for the lake of fire. So your own resources aren't fit for God's use whatsoever. And here now they say, well, we have enough resource for this. We don't really even need God to go before us. So the co-mi- the commission was Achan's. The omission was Joshua's, and uh, that's a tough thing to learn, as we men are great omitters. So they went up 3,000, and it says, They fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men, and they chased them from before the gate, even to Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water, because why? Because they were defeated in this battle In fact, instead of one man putting to flight a thousand, a couple of men of Ai put to flight a few thousand of the children of Israel. And Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought us this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. That's unbelief. That's actually a horrible thing to say. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns their backs before the enemies? This is what he says. Now, of course, this is unbelief. And so the Lord says to Joshua in verse 10, Get thee up. Why are you lying thus on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have taken up of the accursed thing, and also have stolen, and also dissembled, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Now the Lord would have told uh, Joshua that had he turned to him and asked him, even before the men of Ai were engaged, but he didn't. And now what happens is that the Lord tells Joshua, call an assembly of all the people, and through the use of the throwing of a lot of a casting of a lot through god's sovereign divine oversight of that they take tribe by tribe then they take within the tribe a house and it tells us that joshua rose up early in the morning verse sixteen brought israel by their tribes and the tribe of judah was taken and he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhite, man by man. And Zabdi was taken, and he brought his household, man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And my friend, you can be sure your sin will find you out. There is a wonderful opportunity by the grace of God. You don't have to hide if you've involved yourself in the accursed thing. Come clean before God. Forsake that evil doing that you're doing. Be sure God will find you out better you should forsake it now and he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and so now here joshua said to achan my son give i pray thee glory to god the god of israel make confession unto him and tell me what you have done don't hide it and achan answered and said I've sinned against the Lord when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. I coveted them, I took them, they're hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Now, here, those of you that want to keep the law, uh, those of you who believe that, you know, you can keep the Ten Commandments, you want to do that, here this guy comes clean, he now admits that he coveted, that he disobeyed, and by the way, he, they raised, at verse 26, it says, they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. He's the troubler of Israel. They burned him up with fire after they made a rock pile out of him, and that's the way it was. You like this old covenant? You like this law? You want to live under this law? Then your sons and daughters, I assure you, whoever you are, are going to be under rock piles. But thank God that God has something better for us than this. But we see the unfaithfulness of Achan doing that very thing, and he is the troubler of Israel. I'm reminded when they say to him, Joshua said in verse 25, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. I'm reminded of how it was that Elijah was called by the wicked Ahab, thou troubler of Israel, when in fact the troubler of Israel was, was Ahab himself and so says the lord turned from the fierceness of his anger wherefore the name of that place was called the valley of achor unto this day so now we've seen the victory and i use these two incidences around uh, jericho as we've seen the victory and we've also seen the failure. We've seen the faithfulness of God. We see the failure of the people. This is not an intensive study or even a chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Joshua. So we'll look past quite a great number of interesting and beneficial things. But we'll see this, that this whole syndrome of God's faithfulness and Israel's unfaithfulness is a repetitive drumbeat throughout the entire Old Testament. As God continues to abide faithful, as God continues to try to bring the good in behalf of the children of Israel, the children of Israel continually fail. And we also see some of Joshua's failure. After all, Joshua is not the Lord Jesus Christ, the true Joshua. He is the Joshua that followed Moses, and Joshua didn't truly bring the children of Israel into rest because we see, for example, in Joshua chapter 9, the further failure. Not only did they take of the forbidden things and become attracted to really the Babylonish garment was the religion of Jericho and the money, not only were they the things of great value, which were dedicated things to the religion of the ites, but they lusted after what? Sex, money, and power, and they also failed to turn to the Lord when they should. For example, they made a covenant. They were deceived by the Gibeonites. In Joshua chapter 9, the Gibeonites deceive Joshua and the children of Israel and even though they're told not to make any league with any of the people of the land they do they make a covenant with these people because they're fooled and the scripture says here's why they were fooled joshua nine fourteen the men took of the victuals of the gibeonites and asked not counsel at the mouth of the lord And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live, and the princes of the congregation swear unto them. And so because they didn't inquire of the Lord and made a covenant with these Gibeonites, they had to live with their enemies in their midst for the time, for the entire time. And this is a pattern that continues. We Look further into the book of Joshua. We see that Joshua is faithful. Joshua continues to conquer and take the land. He tells the children of Israel they are well able to take the land, that God would desire that they continue to take the land, but yet the children of Israel continually fall into a refusal to do that. And, in fact, we read this about Joshua in Joshua 11 And verse 15, as the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. So Joshua took all that land, the hills, and all the south country, and all the land of Goshen, and the valley, and the plain of the mountain of Israel, the valley of the same. Verse 18, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. And that's one of my favorite verses. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. He stayed at it. He continued to fight. And actually, Joshua fought his entire life. But whereas Joshua was faithful, broadly, the children of Israel were not. And in chapter 13, it says, When Joshua was old and stricken in years, the Lord said unto him, You're old and stricken in years, and there remains yet much land to be possessed. This is the land that remained at all the borders of the Philistines, and so forth. And so there was a huge amount of land yet to be taken, and the children of Israel were supposed to just tribe by tribe take the land, helping one another do so, fighting with one another. How do they fight? On the basis of the grace of God, through faith, through the promises of God. But we read, for example, Judah could not drive out the Jebusites. Ephraim, Manasseh failed to drive out their enemies. As we read through the entire book, we find that not a single tribe, though an individual here or there, Caleb, for example, would be successful, not a single tribe drove out the nations before them as God said that he would do. And none of them believed God for what he said. And this is now the failure of Israel. What did Israel fail to do? It is not that Israel failed to keep the law. They're the ones that said they would. The truth of the matter is they wouldn't keep the law. They couldn't keep the law. Not only could they not keep the law, but they failed to believe God, and they failed to fight. Let me just say this in our closing time. This is written for our admonition. We need to stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. God bless you till tomorrow.